Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. Go ahead and get your Bibles. Open them up to the book of 1 John. 1 John. We're going to, the message, I guess the message is going to kind of start in chapter 2, but we're still going to be starting in uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John, chapter 1, verse 5. I'm kind of continuing this theme of um, the responsibility we have as Christians, continuing it on from uh, you know what I've said in the in the in the week, two weeks past, uh, the fact that we live in a culture where Christianity has become uh, just this idea of people thinking that you know we go to church, we did our Christian duty for the day, um, and this idea that individuals <clears throat> many times have come to the conclusion that they are a believer in Jesus Christ, um, but have been deceived or misled into thinking that. That being a Christian is not something that we do. Being a Christian is something that we are. Um, so we, we live in a culture today where people do Christianity. They do it. So um, a lot of people in the world have learned how to play that game well. Um, and, it, and to them, the relationship with Jesus Christ produces nothing more than uh, really just the desire to maybe sit in a pew or a Sunday school class, and that's where the responsibility stops. I can tell you, looking at all of the biblical examples that we have, how many uh, Christians in the time of Jesus Christ and, and in that first century, the first 30, 40 years following, how many Christians do you see in the Scripture who do nothing aside from worship God? And I say aside from worship God because what is the worship of God? Is it when we sing a song before a preacher preaches? Is worshiping God our presence inside a building that has the name church on it? Or is worship the life that we live in, in obedience and faithfulness to him? Now, again, we don't have to be individuals who take on every job in the church. We don't have to be, God doesn't call us to do that. As a matter of fact, he's very specific when it comes to the gifts that he gives but I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the, the gift aspect of this as much as I want to spend time on the relationship aspect of this, the responsibility of someone who comes to know Jesus Christ. And there are responsibilities that come with knowing Jesus Christ. Um, we have become a culture that is totally self-satisfying. If you ask most people today why they are Christians... You know what they'll tell you? Well, because I get to go to heaven when I die. Who's the beneficiary in that? The personal individual is the beneficiary in that, right? 
the correct response, and I don't want you to write this response down and remember it for the future. I want it to touch your heart when I tell you this. Why are you a Christian? Because I want a deep relationship with the one who created me. That's where it has to start. Now, the deep relationship will tell us everything when it comes to are we really Christians or are we not? Because there are a whole lot of people in this world, and I hear it at least once every week and sometimes multiple times a week. Well, I'm not that bad of a person. Hell will be wallpapered with good people. Because the requirement to go to heaven isn't to be good. Because no matter how good we are, we've all done bad, and the bad doesn't go away. If you go to the refrigerator and you pick up a steak that's been sitting in your refrigerator for a little bit too long and it is green on one-third of that steak, rants it, you pull the plastic back and it will just about knock you out with the smell of rot. Do you look at the steak and go, it's not that bad. Two-thirds of it's the color it's supposed to be. Is that the way you treat it? Because people say, listen, folks, you don't have to be a murderer to be a bad person. You don't have to be a pedophile to be a bad person. Because God's standard is a perfect standard. And I've had people come to me and say, well, I've never really done anything big. I'm like, it doesn't take anything big. Have you you ever walked away from the bank with a pin that didn't belong to you? And didn't return it? Do you think the cost of that pen matters? Did it belong to you? And if you didn't return it, then what is it? And not technically, it's very black and white. What is it? You stole a pen from the bank. Guess what you are? A thief. You ever walk away from the office with a paper clip? Or paper? Did you ever use the company printer for something personally? You don't have to be a murderer. You don't have to be a pedophile. How much does it take to taint the whole thing? In God's eyes? One. And it can be as what we consider to be as small as taking a paperclip. We stand before God when we do a thief. Well, I told a lie, but it was really to protect somebody's feelings. Does the justification matter? Is a lie a lie? If you ever told a lie, what are you? You're a liar. There's not any, there's not a soul scrubber anywhere aside from Christ. Okay? We can't put ourselves through any process whatsoever that takes away every fault that we have had in our past. We cannot take that away. Once we're tainted, we're tainted. You know, in, in our culture today, it just drives people mad. 
to hear the quote from the Gospel according to John chapter 14, verse 6. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, there is no way to the Father but by me. I'm here to tell you, folks, karma's not a thing. I mean, people think that it is, and, and you know, I prefer to use the biblical definition of you reap what you sow. But you reap what you sow is not karma. You go out and do bad things, it's going to lead to a bad consequence. You go out in the world and do good things, it's going to lead to good consequences. The fact is, a whole lot of people in this world are walking around thinking they're saved when they're not. And they think they're okay because they're good enough. It breaks my heart to think that there are all kinds of people in this world who are going to slide into heaven thinking they're really not that bad and God's going to let it pass. And use the example of the men who cast out demons and healed people in Jesus' name. And Jesus' response to them was, Get thee away from me, you doer of iniquity, for I never knew you. The word new, intimate relationship. Get away from me, you doer of iniquity, for I never had a relationship with you. Christianity is about a relationship. It's not about rules. John, he points us out pretty clearly in this passage of Scripture. Read with me. I'll start with verse 5 in chapter 1 of the book of 1 John. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Stop there before we go, go any further. Jesus Christ is the only soul scrubber in existence. When we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the one that has the power to forgive those sins. And theologically, folks, I'm telling you, because it confuses a lot of people, and if anybody stands, if anybody sits in a pew today or is watching me on video and says, that preacher just justified sinfulness, I don't appreciate being taken out of context. The Apostle Paul said, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by all things are lawful for someone who's a Christian, but not all things are profitable? The point that he was making was, as a Christian, grace is grace. And you could do anything that you wanted to. The kicker is, Christians should be driven more by what's profitable than by what's forgiven. I've met people who thought that if they went to bed at night and didn't ask God to forgive them for their sins of that day, and they was to die in their sleep, they'd go to hell. I'm here to tell you, the price that Jesus Christ paid, paid the price, past, present, and future. Now, if an individual takes that statement and runs with it and decides to use that for a justification of sin, God is the God of light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If individuals are walking in the darkness, then they lie 
and do not know the truth. Because Christians don't desire to walk in the darkness. That's not who we desire to be. But this is a very fundamental point in Christianity, folks. When we are in the relationship with God, forgiveness from past, present, and future sins, that's where we find the peace to continue to function when we fail. Because one thing I've always noticed, those people who say, well, I'm not really that bad, they aren't even willing to admit in the areas that they are bad. If one thing sickens me in this Christian culture today, it's preachers and people who pretend that they're perfect. I'm sorry to break it to some of you today, but you ain't perfect. And neither am I. And when we come across these imperfections in our life, we don't like to be in the darkness. We listen to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the conviction that lays upon our hearts. And when God calls us out of that darkness, we respond and step out of that darkness. Fact is, folks, we, we never pay the attention to the specifics of this relationship as much as we should. Never. Because it's easier for us to just create a list of do's and don'ts. Right? Mentioned a few weeks ago. One thing that drives me nuts, it's that modern-day Christianity just decides to throw down a blanket statement because it makes it easier for us to follow it. If God takes the time to give us specific information that is much more complicated than the simple solution, then what makes it right for any church to go with the simple solution? As a parent, if you give your kids instructions and those instructions are complicated, did you give them complicated instructions for a reason? And if they disregard your complicated instructions and just go simply do what it is that you ask them to do, disregarding the complications, does it work out as well as you wanted it to? How many of you guys ever made no cookies after a certain point in time at night? Or no candy or anything before dinner time? Does it ever make that rule? Um, you ever seen kids kind of make, I mean, there's some pretty smart kids out there. They figure out ways to work around what it is that I know we would wake up, all our kids were little, we would wake up in the morning and we would find these star crunch wrappers all over the kitchen. We knew it wasn't a mouse because a mouse would have just chewed a hole in the star crunch ate a little bit. And we had that rule in the house where you couldn't eat cookies before bed. You couldn't eat cookies before dinner. Had to eat dinner. Once you ate dinner, it was about bedtime, went to bed. Talk about snacks next time. Caitlin would get up 2 o'clock in the morning, go in the kitchen, find the box of Star Crunches, and just eat as many as she could. Did she break the rules? She didn't eat it before dinner, Right? She didn't eat it before bed. She went to bed. <clears throat> she just happened to get out of the bed and then go have her some star crunches. 
This is who we are as Christians. This is who we are as Christians. We, we look at the, we look at the circumstances of scripture and we say, hey, you know what? This is a whole lot deeper and more complicated. Let's just simplify it. Let's create a list of rules, do's and don'ts and how to's. That just simplifies it all, right? Hillbilly logic question. If God wanted it simplified, couldn't he give it to us simplified in the first place? So the things that are hard to understand aren't intended to turn us away from the scripture. He, he made it that way for a reason. The relationship with Jesus, it can be pretty complicated. But he gave us all of the information. If we're willing to look it up, we have the ability to put all of this information together and figure out the relationship that he's called us into. It's a relationship that has expectations. It's a relationship that has all the forgiveness that we'll need in our entire lives. But it's also a relationship that speaks very specific consequences to very specific actions. It really is pretty simple. Walk in the light. You know Jesus. Walk in the dark. You don't know Jesus. Verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin... We are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every created human being on this planet, the only one excluded is Jesus Christ. Every created human being on this planet is included in that all. For all have sinned. So if an individual says, well, I'm really not that bad, how much does it take to be not that bad? And if we really cough out those words, then what have we just made God out to be? A liar. Any kids in here ever point your finger at your parents and say, a liar? And if they did, I want to know how it turned out. I want to know if there's video footage. Because God's saying, if we're people that say, I'm really not that bad, we're liars. Because how bad does bad have to be in order for it to be bad? Chapter 2, he says this, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. The word propitiation is a word that literally means satisfaction. Jesus Christ is the satisfaction for our sins. We shouldn't be believing in Jesus because it's convenient. We shouldn't be believing in Jesus because it seems like the smart thing to do. 
We shouldn't, we shouldn't be believing in Jesus because of the benefits that we get from it. We should be believing in Jesus because the Father has drawn us to him. I've said this many times, folks, and I'll say it. As long as I'm here, I'll continue to repeat it. You know how many people in this world are more lost because someone talked them into being a Christian than they were before? They were talked into being Christian. Because a good argument don't save people. Pushing people into fear don't save people. Giving people a benefit beyond what they're looking at. That doesn't save people. Now people say, well, who does the Father draw? Anybody like to give the answer to that question? I mean, according to the Scripture, Jesus would that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance, right? Can I get an amen? Jesus would that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Amen? So how many people get drawn by the Father? Everyone. The question isn't, does God... Ask everyone to believe in him. The question is, how many people are obedient to that call? How many people are saved because someone talked them into it or because there was some benefit? And how many people trusted in Jesus just simply because they heard God say, I want a relationship with you? I want a relationship with you, and I can't have a relationship with you in the state that you're in. I can't stand in the presence of sin. And we know we know exactly how far that goes. Because when Jesus died on Calvary, what did the Father do? When my sins was put upon Jesus Christ's back, God could not face him, and he turned his back on him. And even Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, for the first time, as far as I know, in all of eternity, he uttered the words, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know why God forsook him? Because of us. Because of us. Because we were unclean. You know why the father turned his back on Jesus? That ink pen you took from the bank. The paper clip you walked out from work with. That print job you did on your business's dime. That's why the father turned his back on him. And I feel like we take that Way too lightly. Way too lightly. He was the satisfaction for our sin. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. Because nobody else on the planet could make the sacrifice He made. And that sacrifice is supposed to be of way more benefit than just to buy somebody a ticket into the kingdom. 
the beginning of a relationship. That relationship continues to encourage people to continue to become more conformed to Jesus Christ. Someone who has a relationship with Jesus, they don't talk about, just talk about their relationship with Jesus. You watch them over 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and what do you see for someone who is genuinely in a relationship with Jesus? You see a very broad spectrum of the world falling away and of Jesus Christ taking its place. And if that's not happening, folks, we have to ask ourselves the question, when I came to Jesus, did I join a religion? Which by definition is man's attempt to reach God. Or did I join the relationship? God's attempt to reach man. People are all the time saying, I don't understand how you could leave that life or you were just having a blast. And start to put these things away that you were having so much fun with. And I've literally had people say, I feel so sorry for you. And I'm like, really? You, you feel sorry for me? First of all, I've never made any changes in my life that I did not want to make. Second of all, I have never made a change in my life that I regretted. Third of all, the relationship means everything when it comes to the responsibility. When we're in a relationship with Jesus, the burden comes off. We no longer feel like we have to follow the rules. It's not even about following the rules. It's about following Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, guess what comes along with that? We follow the rules without even trying. Because that's what we want to do. Not because we feel like that's what we have to do in order for us to be a model Christian. Churches that are so full of fake people. They're full of fake people. People go to church on Sunday and live like the world on Monday. Party on Friday and Saturday. And then come to church on Sunday and act like everything's just fine. Their mind runs crazy with lust. Their eyes run crazy with fantasies. Are we honestly going to sit here and just pretend that everyone in this place isn't tempted by something? That would be nice, wouldn't it? We could invite Joel Osteen to come up here and preach. Make all you feel real good before you go home. Yes. I really hope it doesn't push you out of the church, but Joel Osteen, he preaches a prosperity gospel that has no intention but to make you feel good. He doesn't talk about sin. Why? Sin makes people feel bad. Well, I'm sorry to be the one to let you in on this, but if you're running around sinning, you should feel bad. It shouldn't be because the preacher shamed you. It shouldn't be because somebody else shamed you. It, could, it should be because the Holy Spirit's inside of you just eating you alive because you're doing something that you know is not glorifying to Jesus Christ. 
and on some level. How many of us fit into that category? All of us. And I've sat in seminary courses and I've sat in groups of pastors and people say, you got to be really careful about what you say. Jesus gives you permission to say it, say it. And I've often found, I've always found, that anytime Jesus gave me permission to say it, it wasn't just because he gave me permission to say it, it was because he wanted somebody to hear it. This relationship is a relationship that is supposed to provoke progress. Not because we have to, but because we want to. We're so bad at relationships. All of us are. I mean, how many of you guys fix dinner for your family because you have to? Wash clothes because you have to? Take your kids to school because you have to? Do your kids' homework because you have to? Mop the floor because you have to? Vacuum the floor because you have to? Make the bed because you have to? Those are all signs of a very unhealthy relationship. You remember when your relationships were young, vibrant? Couldn't wait to cook a meal, man or woman? Because you wanted to really take care of the person that you give your heart to? It's no different than this relationship with Jesus. You remember when you first believed? Do you remember the excitement level when you realized that the penalty and the punishment of sin had been removed? You were so excited that you picked up the Bible and read it without being provoked, without the preacher telling you to without an app on your phone reminding you to. You prayed with excitement. You served. And you served with all your heart. What happened? God move? Is he the one? Because all of our relationship problems, guess what we like to do? We love to blame the other person. Been a pastor way too long to not catch that. We always love to blame the other person. Now, in human relationships, sometimes it is the other person's fault. I'll clarify with that. But I'll also say that in this relationship, it's never God's fault. We moved. Folks, God's called us to live in this world, but not of it. We were raising our kids. The thought had seriously crossed our mind. I'm going to homeschool our kids because I just don't like the things that society's teaching. I'm not saying anything against anybody who decides to homeschool their kids. Telling my story, not yours. This was a long time ago. been in the ministry, but I just started. I was a brand spanking new youth leader. Hadn't been doing that for very long at all. 
And in the discussions, me and Diana decided, as scary as it is, we would rather our kids be raised in public school. And I'm here to tell you, scary. Teachers nowadays are propagandists. Not all of them, but many of them are propagandists. The kids are going to be confronted with drugs. They're going to be confronted with alcohol. They're going to be confronted with language. They're going to be confronted with attitude. They're going to be confronted with lies. But the decision we made was a sword forged in the fire is always stronger than the one that isn't. I've heard too many people they enter into a relationship the relationship's going to be unequally yoked because one of them's a believer and one of them's not and the one that's a believer 100% of the time undoubtedly says but I'm going to change them guess who changes folks this is a relationship that we've got to figure out Nobody's perfect at this relationship any more than they're perfect in any human relationship. And you show me two people who are interested in figuring it out, and I'll show you two people that have longevity. But you show me people who are not willing to work it out, to figure it out. And I'll show you people who are in for an abrupt halt in the relationship. God's always willing. Where are we? He's always willing. He's not the one that moved. He's not the one that changed the rules. He's not the one that created the distance. He's not the one that created the standard by which we live. Should be. He's not. He's an advocate. A paracletos. One who's called alongside to help. Not to do everything for, but to help. How many of you that are in here today have ever had a helper? A spouse? Anybody in here ever have a spouse that's a helper? Ask yourself this question. How much more difficult does it make life for the helper not to be there? Sunday school teachers love them to have helpers. You know why? It's way less difficult for a Sunday school class to always have a helper. It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he caused Adam to fall into that deep sleep, took one of his ribs, and created Eve to be Adam's helpmate. Because as proud as all of us men are, the fact is, if we're by ourselves, we're a mess. I mean, how many of us guys, if we didn't have our spouses, would have ever survived our first bout of the flu? Because you can take the biggest, toughest, strongest guy in the world, and if he gets a cold, oh my goodness. 
A helper is someone who's there all the time. It's someone who's always available. It's not the one that does everything. And man, have we grown into that culture. God help my mind. God help my bills. God help my credit report. God help my emotions. God help my nerves. God help me cook dinner. God help me wash my clothes. I could just see God being up there exhausted. Thinking, are you serious, people? I've literally had people. It's like, hey, we're going to go on a visitation. We're going to tell people about Jesus. What do you think? I need to pray about it. Really? You need to pray about it. I can give you the cliff notes on what his answer will be. Now you ready to go? You remember, and, and I hope that at some point you had this, and I hope that maybe you even have it today. Do you remember when your relationship with Jesus was at the point that no matter what you were doing, you knew that he was there? And if you needed his help, if you really needed his help, that he was there to help? That's a relationship. It's not just calling him when you have a problem. I kid you not, sometimes I do it out loud. I look like a nut walking through Walmart sometimes. Because me and Jesus just talking to each other. Driving in my car, me and Jesus just talking to each other. He's sitting in the passenger seat. Sometimes he gets goofy and hangs out the window. My point is, he's that real. He really is that real. We make him into some figment of our imagination that he's some puff smoke of cloud somewhere and he'll show up once in a while just to tell you what to do or to fix your problem and then he's gone again until we need him next time. It's not who he is. He's a paracletos. One called alongside to help. When I reflect back in my life, the number of times that he showed up are innumerable. And how do I show him appreciation? By creating my own little box with my own little backstroking list of justifications sit in the same place and do nothing to be obedient to him. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the relationship, the Holy Spirit moves you and you will know what I mean if he does. I'm asking you to be obedient. If you're not comfortable walking the aisle and standing face to face, you want us to meet after church, 
Um, can't do it today because we're doing a ministry meeting, but I will certainly make the time to do it. I'll call you this afternoon. If you do have a relationship with Jesus, I want to know where you're at. Is it the relationship that I spoke of earlier? The one that's very distant? The one that comes with hardly any, if any, responsibility? Or is it the relationship where you can talk to him all the time because you realize that he never leaves you? Because I'll tell you something, folks, and I'm not telling you this because I want people to just stand up and volunteer. This church is getting ready to spin up its ministries. Same ones, altered, different ones. Fact is, we're spinning them up. I can tell you as a pastor, I don't want anybody working in those ministries just because they want to fill a slot. If you're going to work in a ministry, I want you to do it with passion. Not passion for the ministry, but passion for Jesus. Because everything that we do and everything that we are about had better be purely provoked by the relationship that we have with Jesus and the relationship that we want everybody else to have with him too. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.